0: Hi, everybody, Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue
1: Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you for being with us here today as we discuss everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. Locked On Blue Devils is your one-stop shop for all of those conversations. If you have not done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to Locked On Blue Devils for free, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a five-star rating and written review. Your support on the podcast platform means so much to us. You can watch the show also each and every day on YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel, channel titled Lockdown Blue Devils. Hit that subscribe button. Share these videos with your friends. Leave us a like. Do all those things that make this channel continue to grow. And again, that support just means so much to us. Follow us on Twitter or X at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm there as well at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. Without further ado on today's show, really excited to have my good pal Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast to talk a little bit about this Duke football program. It's bowl season. Duke's trying to win a bowl game for the second consecutive season as they will take on the Troy Trojans in the Birmingham Bowl. And Josh Cox is here with us now. It's been a little while since we've seen the Duke football team take the field. Now here we are. We're counting down the hours at this point before we see them back on the gridiron.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude gets one of these early bowl games, right? Uh, so they get it before Christmas. Um, you know, probably not the bowl game that everyone was wishing for about halfway through the season. But at the end of the day, you're still bowling. Uh, guys are enjoying it. Uh, you've seen this week on social media. You guys are down here enjoying some uh, some time uh, together. Um, and then, you know, the good thing about it is they get this game over with and they get to be home for Christmas this year, which is uh, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, uh, looking forward to this matchup at Birmingham. Uh, Troy is. Uh, you know, we probably don't know a ton about Troy. You know, they're not, you know, that the team that you really focus on if they're not your team, uh, but evidently a pretty strong team. And both of these teams, obviously, with interim coaches heading into this matchup.
1: Yeah, Troy, an outstanding season out of the Sunbelt Conference. And we'll get a little bit more into the matchup in particular, but just a roller coaster, whirlwind of a week for Duke football. You're already there in Birmingham with the uh, on-site practices there where they will play the game. And then in addition to that, Signing day comes and goes on Wednesday to get the next line of great Duke football players signed on that dotted line to move forward. Duke new football head coach Manny Diaz is seen at Madison Square Garden earlier in the week supporting the Duke men's basketball team. Uh, And then, yeah, we've got this big game coming up this weekend. On Saturday, we'll see Duke take on Troy in the Birmingham Bowl. So uh, with the final steps of kind of assembling this coaching staff, like there is no shortage of activity and just things going on, moving parts right now with the Duke football program.
0: Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you mentioned Coach Diaz being in New York City. That was obviously strategic on his part. There were a lot of uh, high-level uh, potential donors and people up there as well that he was, I know, uh, meeting with and, and just trying to get this football program where it needs to be in all aspects. And so that was very strategic, and he got to catch a pretty exciting game, which I'm <laughs> sure we're going to talk about here at the end of the show, uh, but, but, uh, but a pretty exciting game there. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, obviously, National signing day happened this past uh, Wednesday uh, with Duke only losing, you know, really two players on signing day uh, that flipped. And and both of those players were expected to flip, uh, Mason Wade and Paul Minkie Jr. Um, you know, and, and, and honestly, like, you know, I know I can tell you for sure, like with the Wade uh, situation, like, you know, Wade was 150% all in under the old coaching staff. And so this was just one of those things where that's just what happens, right? When you get a new coach in, sometimes – you know, those players just uh, decided to go elsewhere. He ended up at Clemson, which is fine. Um, but the rest of those guys stayed. I know Landon Callahan was getting quite a bit of, of pull from other places, uh, but he stuck it out and stayed. Um, be interesting to see Chase Tyler as well, a uh, big wide receiver that Duke's kind of been, you know, missing that big wide receiver. And uh, just, just a lot of guys, Kobe Brown uh, – I think Kobe Smith is his name, uh, defensive end. Uh, Kobe, something is either Brown or Smith. Um, another guy that looks like he could maybe come in and help right away. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it's been a busy, a busy time. And then, and like you said, with all of this, the team actually shows up in Birmingham, begins practicing, does all the things that the ball game has for them. So there's just absolutely a ton going on around the program right now.
1: So as we talk about the signing class that Duke was able to put together, and again, it's it's Manny Diaz trying to introduce himself to these main players, it's a lot of praise and love for Trooper Taylor, what he's been doing as the interim head coach for the Stoop team. He did it once already in the transition from Cutcliffe to Elko, but maintaining those relationships to get these players to sign on the dotted line. Because, yes, there are uh, the players that you just mentioned that are signing day flips. There's you know Tyler Cherry decommitting yeah. the quarterback that uh, the Stoop staff was really high on, and he ultimately ends up at Indiana. But there were also still some players who said, you know what? I'm ready to see what Manny Diaz is all about. I'm still ready to be a B level and play for this program.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. And that's that's what you see when you have, you know, uh two defensive-minded uh coaches. I think that does help. Uh, you know, you, you it's not like you're bringing in a radically different um, you know, philosophy as far as that's concerned. So you're not bringing you're not going from a defensive-minded guy to like a, you know, uh offense, you know, you know, head coach. So that that did help. But yeah, it was it was good to see. A lot of these guys do they really I, I know it's kind of cliche among Duke fans, but a lot of these kids really do uh they want the package deal. They do yeah. want the the academic side and they they are thinking about life after football. And so I think you know whenever you have kids that think that far in advance and and parents and families who push them that direction, you know, Duke's gonna always be a draw as long as they keep football competitive. They're gonna always be a draw for a certain type of kid, a certain type of, of student athlete. And so I think that's what you're seeing here is that, you know, even through the coaching change, these people were attracted to Duke. And and, and as Coach Elko said for two years, the brand, right, the national brand that Duke is. Um, and so that's what ended up happening, you know, with 18 out of these 22 ended up fulfilling their commitment. So that was a big deal.
1: With a new head coach also means new assistant coaches, coordinators in place. There's a a big opportunity for change if the head coach decides to go that route. It appears as though Manny Diaz has a couple of new faces set to team up with him in Durham. Let's talk a little bit about those names after we take our first time out here on today's episode of Locked on Blue Devils. Locked on Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn, LinkedIn. LinkedIn, of course, one of our absolute favorites. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. That's super fast. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Moving forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson, alongside my pal Josh Cox from Duke Football Talk's Section 17 podcast. As we bring Josh Cox back into the fold here, I'd love for you to uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about the Section 17 podcast, if you will, and what all you guys do.
0: Yeah, for sure, J.J. So we uh, we cover Duke football uh, from a unique perspective. Uh, we like to keep the fans at the, at the center of kind of what we do. Um, try to give an inside look at what's going on in the program. So we release podcasts during the season on a weekly basis, and then we'll stay fairly active um, in the in the off season. Um, but uh, but yeah, you can find us at dukefootballtalk.com Duke FB Talk dukefbtalk um, on X and Instagram and uh, TikTok, and then you can search. We have a group on Facebook as well. So we try to uh, we try to keep it lighthearted um, and have a little bit of fun while also providing actual legitimate content. So.
1: Tell us about this Todd Polino shirt that I saw the other day.
0: Yeah, so uh, – The
1: merge is something that we've talked about before.
0: Yeah, so I got this from Todd's family. So, Todd's my – Todd's like one of my favorites on the team. And uh, in, the, in the the Clemson game, Duke ended up winning that game 28-7. to 7. Uh, I believe that was the score. Yeah. But if you – yeah. Uh, but if you – yeah. If you do the numbers, Polino hit two field goals and he hit two extra points in the game. And so, Todd scored eight points himself – and then Clemson only had seven, so my shirt says, Polino eight, Clemson seven, uh, with the <laughs> uh, with the date of the game. And so uh, I'm actually talking to his family at the at the bowl game. We're going to see about uh, trying to make that available for fans. So we <laughs> had several people asking for it. So
1: That's so cool. All right, well, let's talk about this coaching staff for Duke football. Uh, Manny Diaz is the new head coach. Uh, people curious who's going to get to stay on staff here, or is it an entire new staff that's coming into the fold uh, we've known for a week, a week and a half or so that uh, Manny Diaz is the new guy. What does this new coaching staff kind of look like right now, Josh?
0: Yeah, I mean, the big thing that hit, uh, according uh, to Pete Damel, uh was Jonathan Brewer, who was uh, the quarterback's coach and co-offensive coordinator at SMU uh, this past season. I mean, SMU had an incredible offense, I think sixth overall in the country. Um, and, and Brewer had worked with Diaz as, I believe, an analyst, offensive analyst or something like that. Um, while he was at Miami uh, before before he left for Penn State and so um, that is dipping back into Diaz's past which is, you know obviously Duke keeping uh, David Feely around is also a dip back into Manny Diaz's past uh, another potential is uh, is Jess Simpson staying uh, with Duke as a defensive line coach once again another Manny Diaz dip into the past um so that's that's the big one uh there's also been a report of Duke hiring Jeff Norred, um as its offensive line coach. Uh, I don't know a ton, um, you know, about him, but, um, but that's right now what we, what we know for sure. Now in the press conference that coach Diaz had earlier this week, he mentioned that um, he would, that he had his staff put together, but they would not be announcing it until next week. And I appreciate what he said. He said, I'm trying to respect the coaches that are coaching bowl games as much yeah. as I can. And, and, and that included Duke coaches. I believe there's a chance that some of these coaches that are on the staff wind up staying. I don't know for sure. I have no insider information. I don't know what Trooper's going to do. You know, everybody tends to know what Trooper's going to do. Uh, it's funny because when you actually ask Trooper about it, Trooper's like, I don't even know what I'm doing yet. Like everybody <laughs> says that, you know, you know, but then uh, everybody, seems to know what everybody's going to do, but I, I, we don't. And so we'll see. Um this was a very successful staff under Coach Elko. And so you know, it's not a given that they're all going to be gone. But also, as with any head coaching change, we all know this is a business. These guys bring in their own own guys, and so there's a chance that, you know, that all of the coaching staff will be gone other than Feely uh, and Simpson. So we'll see. We'll see. But it should take place. Duke fans should begin. Things should begin leaking, or there should be some announcements start being made as early as next week.
1: Can't wait to follow along. All right, before we transition to uh, basketball, I do you want to touch on the success of John Shire's program over the past week? Let's talk a little bit about the game. Birmingham Bowl, Saturday, December 23rd. We're all tuned in, excited to watch this one play out as Duke gets set to take on Troy. As you said, sometimes these matchups are so hard to predict what could take place. Even a year ago, uh, you talk about the game against UCF in the ball game. Gus Malzahn, known for Uh, just offensive excellence wherever he has been throughout his coaching career. And it was the Duke team that really took it to UCF in the bowl game and had a strong performance. So uh, it's a Troy team that scored a lot of points themselves, played good defense, but their coach is headed out the door uh, to be the new head football coach at Tulane. I guess a bigger question for everybody is just who's suiting up for these teams, who hasn't entered the transfer portal, who hasn't opted out of this game. So when you kind of look at this matchup, what are you thinking, Josh?
0: Uh, yeah, well, first of all, there's been no official word from Duke on who is playing and who is not playing. And from the last thing we heard from, coaching, from the coaching staff is that no one had officially told anyone on the coaching staff that they were not playing in this game. Let me give you a for instance. Aeneas Peebles. Aeneas Peebles has already announced that he's going to Virginia Tech and he will be playing at Virginia Tech next season. Aeneas Peebles last night was at the Duke football player event with his Duke gear on with his teammates. Jalen Stinson has put his name in the transfer portal. It's uh, not landed anywhere yet, but he was also with the team in Birmingham. I do not know about Jordan Waters. I can't speak to that one. Um, but we know this. We know that these guys. I don't know about Dory Mosey either. Uh, but we don't know about all the guys. But we do know this: as of a week, a week, or week and a half ago, none of the guys had said they were not playing. We know that Jalen Calhoun's playing. We know that uh, Dwayne Carter's playing. Uh, you know, these and Jamie on Franklin, these are all seniors who will be moving on uh, entering you know their name into the NFL draft and trying to professional uh, move into their professional careers. So that's the question, really, JJ. The truth is for Duke, who's playing in this game? Uh, I know Graham Barton is injured. He will not be playing. Riley Leonard is injured, will not be playing. Riley will be at the game. He's with the team. Um, and then I believe Brandon Johnson also uh, has, injure, uh, has an injury and will not be playing. Um, so there are probably others, but at the end of the day, that's the question for Troy really, right? JJ, it's like last season, one of the things that made, you know, I believe gave Duke the advantage over UCF is that her UCF, I think they had 11 or something transfers and none of them played in the bowl game. Um, and so like that, that hurts you, you know, when, when you're too deep is rock like that. And so, you know, for Duke, it's just going to be a matter of, well, are these guys playing? It looks like it's going to be Grayson Loftus at QB uh, there. And we're going to roll with the hot hand. Um, which is awesome. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think Duke wins this game. If everybody that I'm seeing, you know, in photos and videos and, and, and things, if those guys are playing, then I absolutely love Duke's chances.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see it play out, excited to see who takes the field uh, for both of these teams to play. Earlier this week uh, in college football, we saw the famous Toastery Bowl played between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. I just want to touch on this for one moment. If people did not see this story, to give you an idea of what we're looking at in college football here in 2023, these are two group of five schools going head-to-head against one another. Western Kentucky's starting quarterback this entire season was injured and out for the game. Their backup quarterback got the start, the backup to the backup, so now we're talking about third string, but backup going into the game, had already put his name in into the transfer portal. The coaching staff told him, if you come back next year, you'll be converting to tight end. Quarterback gets injured. Now that third-string quarterback comes into the game and throws for 383 yards. The team was down 28 to nothing and led Western Kentucky back. They won the game 38-35 in overtime uh, with, again, 383 yards passing and five touchdowns. Crazy, man. Crazy that these guys are saying, "I'm I'm leaving and then they have epic bowl game performances. And this is just like the first few bowl games. We have so many left going into January. Like, wow.
0: Yeah, not bad for a tight end, right? You know, not, <laughs> yeah. bad for, not bad for a tight end. it is crazy. Uh, the landscape of college football is just so unique, and, and Coach Diaz has spoken to that. But just what December used to look like three years ago in, in football and what it looks like now, it's just radically different. you got coaching, coaches moving on, players moving on. You got opting in, opting out, you know, I think a lot of that is going to be helped at least with this 12 team, uh, you know, tournament, uh, you know, moving forward, but, but yeah, it's crazy right now. It's absolutely, it's nuts. Shout
1: out to Caden Veltkamp is the guy's name for Western Kentucky. <laughs> Not bad for a tight end, Josh. What a, what a performance that he was able to have.
0: Yeah. That'd so. be like, that would be like, uh, you know, Nicky DelMolin just stepping in, <laughs> yeah. you know, throwing 300 some yards. So, Making yeah, it
1: happen. It. Making it happen. All right. With the Duke team, Taking on Troy, quarterback play is obviously something that's been important throughout the course of this entire season. Riley Leonard has been that guy for the Stuke football team. We know that he's headed off to Notre Dame uh, for next season to play football, but to your point, he'll be there for this team. Grayson Loftus has been the guy down the stretch for the Stuke team. He seems to be committed still to this program. Um, You got high expectations for what he could do for the Stuke team?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I have a pretty decent relationship with Grayson, and um, yeah, I, I number one, he's had an incredible, a uh, true freshman season, and he, neither he nor anyone in this program expected him to start four games, you know, and, and, and
1: probably play, like expecting oh, to be yeah. much
0: playing time. <laughs> it was a it was a one hundred percent redshirt, you know, plan, you know, if everything went as as planned, and it didn't go as planned, and so he was thrust into the into the uh, the battle uh, there. But I believe he's I believe he's committed um you know to Duke um I you know well I'm not speaking for him in any way I've just I've had no inkling from him that that he's got his one foot out the door at all same with Henry Beeland I believe both of those guys are fully committed uh, to what they're doing and I don't know what what Duke's going to do at the quarterback position but you know um you know I know there's a lot of talk about Malik Murphy and and, and things like that And, and certainly you know you go out and get the best you can absolutely get I don't would never fault that but I do believe the quarterback room is in good hands no matter what happens in this offseason. Duke's going to have to add one to two people in that room for sure because you can't just try it out two quarterbacks. Uh, you got to have a third. We, we learned that this year, right? You have to have a, you have to have to at least three in that room. And so Duke's going to have to do something. Um, but, you know, I, you know, and all the eggs, I get it, are in the Murphy basket right now. But we'll see what happens with that.
1: Uh, in just a moment, we'll take our final timeout of today's show. I'm going to tell our friends – uh, about FanDuel and the great work that they're doing as America's largest and number one sports book. They currently have Troy as a seven and a half point favorite against Duke in the Birmingham Bowl. What do you think of that, Josh?
0: That's disrespectful, man. <laughs> it's, it's Troy. Come on. I mean I'm not <laughs> I'm not trying to disrespect them, but like you're telling me they're a touchdown fa- like oh, <laughs> right. That's I think I, I think we're gonna see a competitive game. I do too. And you know here's the thing. It, did you not watch Duke did 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 Vegas not watched Duke football the last year, you know, two to three weeks of the season. This team has not given up. This team is going to fight all the way through. Um, You know, and, okay, Troy might win and cover. Who knows? If they do, they 100% will prove me wrong. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I thought that line was a bit, a bit out there. So, we'll all see. Right.
1: Well, let's see what can happen. Let's take that final time out. We'll talk basketball after this on Lockdown Blue Devils here today. Lockdown Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. As we just said, this is, of course, America's number one sports book—the largest that you're going to find out there. As the weather gets colder, these NFL offers continue to stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use, a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So do us a favor. Go ahead and visit FanDuel.com and get rolling with this NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. Last few moments here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. Josh Cox is here with me today. Follow him on Twitter, at Joshua Cox, for his work with Duke Football Talk. We're going to talk a little basketball. You're doing work with Duke Report throughout this season. We're working on the jump shot all season long. And uh, i tell you what, Jared McCain's jump shot is right where we want it to be, man.
0: That's what I was working on, my Jared McCain jumper. Uh, (laughs) It is a thing of beauty. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that that guy, my my favorite – I think my favorite is in transition when he catches and shoots in rhythm and he keeps the ball up, you know, catch, I keep, eye or yeah, catch, I keep, eye shoot high, my man. Anyway, uh, incredible. And so, yeah, um, Jerry McKenna had, had a, an incredible game, matched his season high, which would be obviously his career high, with 21 points in the garden, biggest stage against Baylor, a team that was, you know, ranked higher than Duke, only had one loss heading into the uh, heading into the game. And, um, you know, it wasn't just Jared McCain. Of course, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about others, but Jared McCain had an incredible uh, game as a true freshman.
1: Yeah. College basketball at large is talking about Jared McCain and rightfully so. And I think from the Duke perspective ourselves, we could talk because people's point so far the season was, Hey, he's rolling really high after these games against Charlotte and Hofstra. But, you know, let's bring up the Michigan State game where he's scoreless and doesn't do so much. Uh, Played okay against Arizona, but that was like eight points uh, and was out there for a long part, contributing on the defensive end of the floor. He wasted no time. He got nine points in the game's first seven minutes. Uh, And as you said, your point finished with 21. I mean, that stage, it didn't seem too bright at all for Jared McCain, who is an easy, easy, easy player just to root for when you see the joy that he's playing with out there on the floor and you hear him kind of talking about the excitement of getting to play in Madison square garden, the bright lights where NBA players play, where he's talking about that's his ultimate goal one day. I mean, so easy to root for the guy.
0: Yeah. He's got such a great spirit about it. I mean, he's a, he's a great kid. Um, He's always got a smile on his face. You know, I'm able to do some uh, basketball media and, Every time I, I want to make sure I speak to Jared because I know whatever he gives me is going to be, it's like he's going to have his eyebrows are going to be high and he's going to be talking. He's going to have a smile on his face no matter what. And he is, he's a great kid. And, you know, his, his, his backcourt running mate that's also a true freshman, Caleb Foster, um, had some really, really important plays down the stretch uh, last night as well. And so those two guys, you know, both played in California uh, for their, for their senior seasons uh, in the kind of the same area. Uh, both came into Duke you know honestly knowing Jeremy Roach you know is back and knowing Jalen Blakes is here and knowing Tyrese Proctor's is, is here and those guys have really come in and, and you know in the in the spirit of being kind of team first but they're they're legit I mean those guys are legit they can take the ball to the basket they can absorb contact they shoot the ball well uh, they shoot free throws well they defend well you couldn't ask for a better tandem of freshman guards
1: yeah, we look at the the dates on the calendar. We do the math here. Duke plays Baylor on December 20th. They do not play again until December 30th at home against Queens. This is a 10-day break that we're going through without Duke basketball. It seems as though we're going to see Tyrese Proctor make his return very soon for this Duke team, which is excellent because the talent that Proctor has – what he's able to do for the Duke team uh, is truly something that I think this Duke team will need throughout the course of the season. Although there is a bit of concern or worry or just kind of a, a question mark out there, what is it going to look like that it really feels like Duke has turned a corner offensively and now they're trying to bring Proctor back into the fold.
0: Yeah. I mean, sorry, that's something like literally like flying to my eye right there. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so you're already seeing pictures of Proctor on the court. There was pictures of him. I imagine Square Garden, you know, uh, on the court running coach Shire said he's been on the court. He'll be coming back. And honestly, when he does come back, it's just, it's really a matter of that point of, you know, kind of reworking that rotation a little bit because Caleb Foster has really settled in, in that starting role. Um, you know, obviously McCain and, and Roach, I mean, we haven't even talked about Jeremy Roach yet, uh, but yeah, that, that's going to be interesting. And the And the quicker, Procter gets back, can get his legs back under him, get work back into the system. Listen, there's that backcourt is, it's ridiculous. It is yeah. actually ridiculous how deep and how good when everyone's healthy this backcourt can be. Because Procter, when he's on, and you, I say that he's pretty consistent. But I mean, he makes plays sometimes. If you really take a step back and look at that play again, it's like this was an absolute pro play. That was an NBA move. Like I don't think anybody else on this roster could do some of the things Proctor can do. So he's going to be super important for Duke, not only on the offensive end, but the defensive end as well. And I think that's actually, you know, a a major key for him. He's like 6'4", 6'5". He can kind of guard the best wing on the opposite team as well and have some length to do that. So, yeah, very important for Duke. Uh, Just a really good problem to have, though, when a guy like Proctor can go down. And honestly, you have so much depth that you just keep rolling. And not that you don't miss him, but you have plenty of people to fill those minutes
1: and able to keep it moving that's exactly what we saw from the duke team going into the baylor game over the last five jeremy roach had been averaging 19 points a game on 21 or excuse me on 61 percent shooting crazy numbers there uh, and he's able to follow it up with another 18 point performance against baylor i mean it's unreal what we're seeing from the senior
0: i i have no words for jeremy <laughs> roach i you know, I actually – I think you and I had this conversation in the summertime in one of the off-season uh, pods about like, okay, Jeremy's coming back. Uh, he's going to have to, you know, be willing to maybe uh, take a backseat, right? Yeah. He's going to maybe ha- have to, you know, do this or that. Uh, and he – number one, he has not taken a uh, He has played the best basketball of his entire career. And so, uh, you know, shout-out to Jeremy. He's a leader, uh, as a senior and, you know, every every team can use a senior leader for sure. And that's what Jeremy is. That's what we
1: saw out of Jeremy Roach for sure. Uh, and then finally, Kyle Filipowski. important to highlight what he's been able to do for this Duke team. Uh, people are, are curious what kind of an impact he's going to be able to make night in, night out. What did you see earlier this week for Flip uh, against Baylor? Because uh, obviously Duke needed uh, or is going to need Flip to be one of the best players in the entire country.
0: Yeah, I think you're seeing unselfish Flip. Um, you know, quite a bit. He had a couple of uh, really, really, really high-level passes uh, in this game. You're seeing him, um, you know, on the offensive end. He can get a shot. It's a matter of, with well, the three-ball drop, you know, things like that. Um, but he can get a shot. He's doing well driving the basketball, I feel. Um, the defensive end is still the question mark, and it's Duke trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to play defense without a rim protector. And that's, that is difficult. I think Duke will be figuring that out throughout the entire season. Mikhail Vilipowski has been a beast. He is um he's played hard. In fact, when 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 people start to criticize him on Twitter, I always chuckle because like about the time you think he's not he's not there, he rattles off, you know, eight straight points or he gets a couple of and ones, or you know what I mean? He he grabs four rebounds in a row, you know, over, over guys. And so I mean, he's just been steady and consistent. He's obviously gonna get the accolades and the player of the years and all that type of stuff. Um, and rightfully so so kudos to him he's he's living up to a second season height for sure
1: 13 points 10 rebounds four assists for flip I mean doing three steals I mean, yeah. just all over the box score with what Filipowski was able to do uh, all right so a little bit of a break then Queens comes up then uh, obviously ACC play gets off and rolling when we jump into 2024 overall how you feeling about Duke 11 games into the year
0: yeah, I mean, obviously you wish you didn't have three losses on your record, but, hey, if you're going to take three losses, uh, you know, take them early, uh, you really wish you hadn't had an ACC loss to kick off the season. But other than that, other than I think the Georgia Tech loss is probably the one that stings the most. But other than that, I think Duke's in a good spot, going to grow with this team as Coach Shire, you know, did last season, grew with the team. I think this is going to be the same this year. And then it's a matter about of winning ACC road games. You know, can you win in the ACC on the road? If Duke does a good job of that, they're going to – win the league and be at the top and 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 do everything they want to do. If they don't do well on the road in the ACC, Steve's going to struggle and they're going to be frustrated. So it's up to them. Uh, see what they do when they, when they go to these hostile environments and get everybody else's best shot.
1: It's so fired up that Duke's able to get that 78-70 win over Baylor and MSG very early in the game. If you're watching it on the broadcast, ESPN throws up the little note that Duke hasn't has lost four games prior to Christmas since 1982, and it was at the time where Baylor's kind of making a run to get back into it. That's a long time, Josh Cox, since Duke last lost four games prior to Christmas. So thank goodness that trend continues for another season, and Duke was able to get that win, right?
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we all knew <laughs> that it was going to be a, a difficult um, your know, stretch of, of, of the season with the schedule. But, yeah, dude comes away with just three losses, like you said, thankfully not breaking any 40-year-old records in a bad way. And so uh, moving on to ACC play, and we'll see what happens. Josh, the time is always appreciated. We'll do this again soon, okay? Hey, JJ, have a great week. Merry Christmas to you, man.
1: All right, that is Josh Cox joining us here on today's episode of Locked Blue Devils. I want to say Merry Christmas to everyone out there uh, watching and supporting our show. Happy Holidays to all as well. That'll do it for today's episode of Lockdown. Blue Devils, thank you so much for your support. Uh, as always, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, like this video, and share it with your friends. That'll do it for today's show. Let's go, Duke. I'll talk to you soon. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and a M. Good day.